This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Back to life, back to reality, back to life, back to reality, back to life, back to reality, back to the here and now. Yeah. Wow, that song is a banger. That is Back to Life by Soul to Soul, okay? I love that song. Guess what, y'all? We're in a brand new year this year. We're in the year 1992, a year we've never been in before and a year that I am honestly thrilled to be back in. According to MrPopCulture.com, 1992 can be described as, quote, the pinnacle of pop culture of the 90s. Everything that makes the 90s a memorable era is somehow connected to 1992, end quote. Well, I'm going to continue the quote by saying technology became more advanced. Cable TV allowed you to watch sports at any time. And the internet was knocking at the door. Here are the major highlights from 1992, according again to Mr. Pop Culture. Film, Reservoir Dogs, okay, iconic Tarantino feature that I actually rewatched on an airplane this past weekend. Aladdin came out. Wow, Batman Returns, one of my favorite Batman movies of all time. A Few Good Men, another legendary film that if you were a cinephile, you'd say A Few Good Men is one of the must-watch movies. Of all times, you know, it's a Aaron Sorkin classic. Wow, this actually, this year is actually huge in pop culture. Then in music, Nirvana's Nevermind was at the top of the charts. Okay. Uh, Criss Cross, huge. And Billy Ray Cyrus came out with his debut album with Achy Breaky Heart. And then on top of that, We got the Windows 3.1 laptop released. I mean, holy shit. IBM introduced the ThinkPad. Tevi. Tevi has a ThinkPad. And 2G. 2G. Mobile phones came out in 1992. JPEG is the standard file, okay, to save photos. And, uh, you know, since my guest this week grew up across the pond, I should mention that FA Premier League was formed. Became the first season of the English top flight soccer league known as the FA Premier League. Manchester United were the first ones to win the Premier League. Wow. So you're thinking to yourself, 
Okay. Oh, wait, sorry. Really quickly, I just got to say the Chicago Bulls won the 1992 NBA Finals. 1992 was a popping year. And we are in Ilford, Essex, just outside of London. And my guest today is the lovely, the wonderful Sean McGuire. Hello. Sean. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today on Thank my. You my lovely little podcast um you know here on the show we just talk about your high school experience which you know i've had some guests on before from the uk and i know that it's like different years are collected than over across the pond so you know i just i just gotta know like what was happening with you in your teenage dumb what what were you like? What was the vibe? What was the culture? It was 1992. A lot has changed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> a lot has changed. Um, well, 1992 would have been, I think, the year that I left. Um, yes. So I had um, not, I would describe, the best experience in what we call, what you guys call high school, we call secondary school. And right. I went to a, a Catholic comprehensive school in a suburb of London. And when I joined um, my secondary school, so sort of, so from, from now on, if I say secondary school, that's what I mean, high school. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, I had just joined the biggest TV show in the country, the biggest children's TV show in the country, which one might think, oh, that would be cool. I bet you had a cool high school experience if you were playing a character. It was a really kind of liked popular character. On a very, very popular show, there's about nearly 10 million people were watching it twice a week. Oh, which, my you know, God. You just don't get numbers like that anymore because TV and the Internet and everything has changed. But so it, what what appears would be like, oh, gosh, oh, I bet you were like captain of the football team. Completely the opposite. It was it was a really um, unhealthy experience in in many ways because um you know here in america you know you guys if somebody's doing well you tend to sort of celebrate them right um, in in england and ireland like my family are irish we have what's called tall poppy syndrome oh, so yes. as soon as you you get a little little higher above the other flowers then it's time to chop your head off and right. so um so i mean I, don't get me wrong it wasn't a complete nightmare i i had some very good friends who are all still my friends to this day we're all still very tight all on a whatsapp together talking about the world cup and stuff and um uh my friends uh, really helped me and got me through it and it wasn't all bad but um the problem was i joined the school and everybody was aware of there was about a thousand students in the school and everybody was aware of me before i was aware of them and instead of being hey that's really cool you're on a tv show as i Swear word, swear word, swear word, swear right, word. Right, right, um, Homophobic uh, uh, sort of uh, it's insult, you know, just a lot of just. And so that's, you know, kind of par for the course really with kids because there's a bit of jealousy or whatever it is. Um, uh, but also the teachers didn't really like having somebody who was on the television in their class. And so, um, you know, now looking back on it, I, I, luckily I had one or two good teachers who who really were great and and really helped me through it. But some of them were so outlandishly mean that you'd be like in big trouble as a teacher, I think, nowadays for doing some of the what things they, they did. What would they do? Just, you know, like, so I would miss a lot of school because I would have to go off and film the show. And so right. sometimes a car would pick me up 
from the school and take me to Grain Chill. That was the name of the television show, the, the name of the, the TV show. And it was filmed at a place called Elstree Studios, which is about sort of an hour away from my school. So I'd drive an hour, I would get taken an hour and then I would film for five or six hours and, and then I'd come back. So I would miss one day, then I'd be there the next. So the teachers would sometimes, you know, if I'd miss a couple of lessons, you know, I'd miss chemistry, for example. I had a chemistry teacher called Mr. Judge, aptly named, <laughs> who was a complete vindictive bastard. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been always have been a very curious person and a curious student. And so I'd miss stuff. And then I'd be like, sir, can I ask what was that? Oh, look, everyone. Look who needs to know something. Oh, it's the TV star. Oh, did the TV star not get all of the... And I'd be like, this seems a bit mean, given that I'm 10. You know, couldn't you, oh given that you're... Oh, God. Given that you're a grown man and I'm a child and you're behaving in a just absolutely horrific fashion. And we, I went to a school, it was a Catholic comprehensive, which meant we had to wear school uniforms. Mm. And they were very regimental about this. You would have a tie and a blazer and you're allowed to wear, because England's cold most of the year, you're allowed to wear a, a jumper, a, a sweater, mm-hmm. but it had to be a V-neck sweater so that you could see the school tie, don't of you know? Course, and of course, of course. So if you wore a round neck sweater, is it called a crew neck sweater? A crew neck, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you wore a crew neck sweater, no, 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 that would be confiscated and you'll get that back at the end of the term. So I wore At the around... end of the term? The end of the term, yeah. Not even the... the end of the day? No, no, no. The end of the semester. It was the end of the semester. Um, oh, and my so, God. So wh- I remember um, going at the end of the term to, to go to get my jumper back from this unthinkable bastard. And... Um, he got the sweater and then he, as he went to hand it to me, I reached out to get it and he just dropped it on the floor. <gasps> and I remember it's one of those moments that really kind of burned into my memory because it was a massive moment in my young life. Because I remember thinking, I'll never, I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I, I, he dropped it on the floor and as I, I just looked at him like, are you serious, man? So as I bent down to pick it up, he said to me, he kind of leant forward and went, You'll never make it. You do know that. Oh my God. And it was a, it was, you know, as horrific as that is, you know, sometimes you don't understand those moments when they're happening to you, what, what is really taking place in your life and in the landscape of your world. But it became such a definitive moment in my life. I just remember looking at him really as serious as a 10, 11 year old could be. And I looked into his eyes and I went, Oh, yes, I will. Yeah. And I just grabbed the sweater and I, I remember walking home, like stamping the pavement going, if nothing else in my life, I am going to make a success of myself and I'm going to go back to that man and I'm going to stick it to him. Mr. Yes. Judge, I will. Ju-. And I, like, it was such a huge moment. Um, and even though it was a, a horrible thing to do to a young person, in a weird way, it was a definitive moment that really made me go, I will never quit. I will never give up. I will fight harder than anybody else to make myself get where I am trying to go. And so in an ironic way, I'm sort of grateful to him um, because it was one of those really formative moments where I just realized I can never quit. I can never give up. I can never fold. I can never fall to the ground. I'm like, I've got to fight. I've got to, I've got to make this work. So I'm sort of grateful to him because, um, you know, I've, I've been very lucky and I've had a nice career so far. So, um, I think, you know, but 
I'll tell you something kind of funny. Um, so luckily then things, things went better and my career did better. And I left that show. I left that show because my dad said, look, you know, actors, they don't really make a success of themselves more often than not. You should probably leave and focus on your studies and on your exams. My dad's a very wise man. And I thought you're right. And I left the most popular show in the country to, to study, to concentrate on my schoolwork. And then as soon as I left that show, I was offered another show and then another. And then I ended up being in the biggest show in the country and then becoming really quite well known um, uh, uh, as a result of that. And uh, after I left that show, then I I decided that I wanted to really go back and try to learn the craft of acting and everything. And so I took on my first play, which was Romeo and Juliet, and uh, which was terrifying. And and so I had to go back. Who were you in Romeo and Juliet? played Romeo. Um, and so I had to go, I went back to my school because, you know, I'd missed a lot of my education and I've always, I felt like the rest of my life I've been trying to catch up and try to compensate for that lack of. So I went back to one of the few teachers that was really nice to me was my English teacher. And I thought, I'm going to go talk to her. She'll help me understand the text, help me understand the play. And at this point, because I'd done okay for myself and I've made a little bit of money and stuff. And I, I, I'd bought a, a BMW, which was a little bit Ooh. of a, a bit of a, bit of a flashy car for a kid of, of 18 or whatever I was. And um, I'd long forgotten about Mr. Judge. Uh, and uh, and I he was a science teacher in the chemistry labs. And I ha I parked right outside his, his classroom, not even thinking about him. And at that moment, so I parked my big shiny car. Mm -hmm. uh, and just at that moment, he came out and he went, oh, hello, Maguire. <laughs> and I looked at him. And then he looked at me, looked at the car. And then I looked at him and I went, hello, sir. Beep, beep, boom, lock the doors really and just fun. walked off. And I was, it was one of those moments I was like, suck it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I guess I did make it. And you're there still you here, go. aren't you? So oh, I had a little bit, God. a little bit of revenge on the evil Mr. Judge. I wonder what Mr. Judge is up to now. I wonder how, was he old? Was he like an no, old? No, he wasn't. He wasn't that old then. I mean, I guess, you know, everybody seems old when you're 10, um, but he probably was in his mid to late 30s. I heard something bad happen to him. Not that I wouldn't wish that on, on anybody. I mean, but of course not. But sometimes you got to say karma's a bitch, honey. Karma, and... karma is a bitch. Karma is a bitch. And also, I mean, even if you don't believe in karma, because there's a lot of people out there in the world right now doing some pretty evil things that should mm -hmm. have had a giant piano land on their head by now that Absolutely. hasn't happened. So I'm a bit I would indifferent. say a piano is too gracious, honestly. Uh, I, I'm being kind. An anvil <laughs> on certain an anvil, people's an heads. Uh, but you know what? You know, I love that expression that the um, the, uh, the the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. You know, sometimes yeah. we can't see um, why is someone like Putin still uh, uh, walking around alive and happy. But maybe we just don't know what's going to happen to him. And maybe there's certain people in our country, certain political figures that, you know, um, aren't particularly nice people. But maybe what's coming to them is just around the bend and we and they can't see it yet. So, but Mr. Judge, um, I heard that he ended up having an affair with some other teacher and then got divorced and then his wife kicked him out. And then um, I think he was let go from the school. And it seems like his life didn't turn out that great. So I don't know, maybe being hateful <laughs> to 10 and 11 year olds um, yeah. isn't the best course of action. No, you know? absolutely not. Still, we wish him well. Oh my God. Wow. Who knew you were like a world famous teen child actor? 
I certainly did not. That's well, I, crazy. I, in, I, in England, I, I kind of grew up on, on television in England and then I moved over to America when I was 23. And so I'd already had um, quite a long career and done a few things before I got here. So it was it was a good it was a good training ground for for coming to the big stage that right. is America. I I do th- I can only imagine how challenging it is though to be uh, in your adolescence also what people don't realize I think about child actors or teen actors is that that's a full-time job. Like you are a working person. And I Mm -hmm. think outside of the fame and outside of the glitz and glamour that people associate with this business, like you are working a real job while also going to school. Yeah. And that's so hard. Did you come from a big family? Like, was your family involved in entertainment at all? Um, I do. I do have a big family. My mother and father and my five siblings um, are all sort of theatrical. My mother and father um, run uh, the biggest Irish dancing school in London, which if you don't know what Irish dancing is, uh, think of Riverdance. Oh, I, Um, first of all, I am obsessed with Irish dance and it's all that I watch on TikTok. Like it's the only <laughs> thing that I watch on TikTok because I also like I grew up loving Tracy Ullman and Tracy Ullman's uh, yeah, bits about river dance still yeah. make me cry laughing. Uh, to she's this so day. funny. And the it best. is, it's 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 quite rightly, it's it's quite it's a wonderful thing and but quite rightly mockable. Um because there is something kind of funny about it. But um but my my uh my five of my out of my five siblings um, f- well, four, three or four of them uh, have their own schools and teach and stuff like that. So we we were all dancing as a kid. We were sort of a bit like the Von Trapp family from The Sound of Music. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, we would just, yes, yes. We would turn up and perform like sort of some yeah. Irish, the Irish Osmonds or something. Um, <laughs> so um, so yeah, we were we were kind of a bit of a theatrical family. My my brothers and sisters all had. Um, appeared in in movies and stuff, just just you know, doing extra work or little bits here and there. None of them were really into it as much as I was. But um, I made my first film when I was five, and I had again. It was one of those very clear moments where I was like, "What is this craziness? Yeah. I want to do this forever and ever and a day." And it's right. it's never really changed. I mean, even when you have the the up and the down times. It's sort of like an everlasting love and like love, you, you're going to have your tough years and your tough challenges, but I never want to divorce it. I always want to be with it, you know, so because it's also, it's, it's a, it's a mirror of humanity, you know, you know, you change as a human and you, you change as an actor and it's never the same thing twice. God, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, honey, I feel that way all the time. I'm like... It's you do become lovesick for it in a way where you're just like this has this is the thing and it's gonna work out and it's gonna be amazing at times and deeply painful. It's gonna yeah. be confusing. It's gonna be crystal clear. It's it's always a journey. Yeah. Um. Did you have? Were you in like? Did you have like a high school, secondary school romance? Did you have any relationships? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I I was well cast for Romeo because I spent my <laughs> entire young life just being in love. I was uh. there was never a day. I used to write letters. There was a girl that I had a huge crush on called Sarah Jane. Um, oh, beautiful. Uh, 
she was she is she's still gorgeous so, so my parents where my parents live you know a lot of my friends and the people I went to school they're still around that area and when I often go back at Christmas you'll see everybody down the pub mm-hmm. and you'll see old school friends and it's great and I see her sometimes and she's still beautiful she's still a beautiful girl and I think she's I think she's had a a, a nice life she, she managed well without me frankly <laughs> but um she uh I, you know, I was obsessed with her and, uh, and I, I used to write love letters to her and then I would wait at a certain place where I knew she'd pass just to try and give it to her and stuff. And it was, it was good. It was, it, it, you know, she, it was unrequited. She did not, she did not feel mm. the same way, but, but, you know, I, I survived and then I was onto my next crush and my next crush and my next crush. But yeah, that was, whereas other people were involved, you know, I, I'm a huge, huge football soccer fan and mm-hmm. I love it. I'm, it's a big deal for me and I loved playing it then, but I couldn't care less about watching it or talking about it. All mm. my friends were like, Tottenham, Arsenal, Tottenham. And I was like, guys, you, you're Neanderthals. I was like, there's girls here, man. Don't just. <laughs> The girls? We're talking about 11 men running around on a field. There's lady babies here. Come on. And so um, my my whole life was just obsessed with the the greater sex, the, the, the ladies. So um, and a lot of ups and downs that came with that. Did normally, you feel downs. like being in a cat? Wait, a Catholic school? Yes. Yes. But did you feel like in my mind, Catholic schools are very horny because there's so much restraint 100%. and shame and yes. like all of these <laughs> themes that kind yeah. of create this tension of like 100%. desire. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think had we been at a, a Jewish school or a Muslim school or anything, the group of people I grew up with, we'd probably been the same because we were just yes. a bunch of smoking, drinking, fornicating <laughs> devils. Do you know what I mean? I don't, religion, I don't know how much it paid into it. We were just, the group that I used to hang around with, my older brother Darren is, is about a year I was in the year above me at school and uh, I had two or three friends that were like my besties in my year. But I really used to hang out with my older brother's year. And, uh, and, and I, you know, like I said, I'm still friends with all of them today. And I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying because it's the truth. We all, you know, it being England, mm-hmm. discovered drinking and smoking and shagging really early. Way, way, way too early. And, like how and so- early are we talking about? I don't know if I should say. (laughs) (laughs) You're recording this, right? Um, Well, put it this way. The dawn of the sexual age came sort of around the sort of, and I'm not saying everybody was doing it, doing it. Sure, sure, sure. But it was announced that around the 13, 14 age, everyone was like, Hey, okay. <laughs> wouldn't it be good if we did that thing where we're yeah. doing a bit of body popping on top of each other, you know? And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of parties um, where, God, I still can't believe we got away with it. I don't know where the parents were or how we managed to <laughs> get away with it. But there, I remember there was one particular party where it was just everyone was just making out with everybody. It was sort yeah. of like some kind of... I don't know what. Um, it's, it's like a horny, a horny teen orgy where no one really has any idea what they're doing. Nobody knew what like, they were doing. Yeah. Nobody had a clue. Tongues and, you know, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was, there was, I mean, there were, there were lots and lots of stories, but I think we were just all young and, 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 and very horny and very keen to, um, 
you know, how how far did you go? Like, did you kiss her? What did you, you know, do this? <laughs> did you do that? There was all that, you know, stupid, youthful kind of, you know, like we're all at the foot of Mount Everest trying to get to the top. To, I to, kind to, of miss it sometimes. It was it was a fun time. I mean, it was a crazy time. I don't, you know, like when you watch those movies like Big or Freaky Friday where the, yeah. the old person goes back and, and you'll often see the old person go, I don't know if I could go through that again. I genuinely, I don't know if I could do it again because... It was hard enough the first time, but um, but it was, you know, you, you look back and it it really was such a cliche, but it was such a, it, a more of we weren't innocent, but it was an innocent time. It was pre totally. pre personal computers, pre cell phone, pre uh, uh, internet porn, pre um, you know all the things that make youthful people now. Every kid I know is like that the whole yeah. time now. We there was none of that, so everyone was looking up. And yeah. normally looking at the girl across the way and, you know. It and was if just, you wanted to look at porn, you had to pick up a, a magazine. It was a magazine. It was a, and I remember, like, me and two or three mates, you go in, you look the oldest. Look, just go in and buy a couple of chocolate bars or something, then just casually pick up the magazine from the top shelf. Oh, what's the big deal? Yes, and then, cho- you know, chocolate bars and porn. Chocolate bars and porn. <laughs> Incidentally, it was the name of my first album. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, again, it, and, and I remember, you know, my mum, I, I thought I was super clever hiding my porn magazine in in a, my math folder and then my mum was like what is this and I was like ah you know mum finding porn is still it's seared into my brain as a shameful act of what a terrible catholic I was but like you say I mean tell a kid not to do something the first thing they're going to go do is that thing um oh, so yeah there was it's... it was just a real um there was just it was like a who's the guy something Myers you know that made all those films in the 80s um something uh Made like Animal House and oh oh yes sure 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 uh, uh, yeah we were just we it was our, our our high school was a bit like the eighties movie Porky's you know we were just a <laughs> bunch of really stupid horny little boys running around you know just being very silly but so there there were there were, there were happy memories but now as a father I'm I, the idea of my kids doing what we did would just mortify me beyond belief so it's funny how things seem different when you're when you're the parent not the kid of course I mean I do have moments especially on the show when I talk to everyone about these memories and these stories and these times I have many moments where I'm like where the fuck were the parents like where on earth earth were they because i don't know doing crazy things like drinking and smoking and having sex and all of this stuff in in parents homes in homes that weren't we didn't that wasn't my house it was just it's crazy my parents would teach we we yeah as i said my parents taught irish dancing and they had a big school so they taught you know, Monday to Friday, we, we had dancing class every night. So uh, in the rare occasion that we could get out of class, we would, you know, you do that thing of I'm going over to yours. You say you're going over to mine and then we'll go to the party. Right, and then, right, of course, right. we all had mountain bikes and BMXs. So we felt like we were like the kids from E.T. And we all <laughs> thought we were super cool. And then you go over, like, park your bike, snog a girl for 15 minutes. You know, you just used to kiss, just like a washing machine, just like, la, 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 la. All right, great. Okay, I hope you're not pregnant. All right, bye. Back on my mountain bike. You know, it was, it, it was, it, it's kind of crazy now. Because, you know, time passes quickly. And I'm not one much for looking back because, um, 
life doesn't really happen in the rear view mirror. I just always try to look where I'm going. And it's only when I do a podcast or I do an interview and people talk about those days, and especially if I do it with, with people in England, they're like, we remember you when you were there. Cause I was very short and I was cheeky and feisty. I was going so, to ask like, I, what, what, what did you look like in high school or in secondary school or in your upbringing? Because I would have pegged you as being like, in my mind, I'm like, well, Mr. Judge also obviously hated you because you were probably like a gorgeous teen. No, you know, I, 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 I think I was described as cute a lot because mm. I was about four foot nothing. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't kind of hit that growth spurt till I was about sort of 15, 16. So I got a lot of sympathy cuteness. Like, mm. oh, you're so cute. You're so cute. And I was like, I don't want to be cute. I want to be hot. Yeah. I want to be sexy. You I know, agree. But, I hate uh, being described as cute. To this day, if someone says I'm cute, I'm like, so a cute. dog is cute. Yeah, a baby's cute. I am not cute. cute. Yeah. Um, but again... You know, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take, I'll take it. If it's go, if it's, if it's that, yeah. oh god, you're disgusting. Go away. I'll be like, no, no, no. Cute's fine. Cute's fine. I'll take fine. If cute's I can fine. get a sympathy, a sympathy snog, I'll yeah. take it. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not above such things. I, 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 I take, I'll take whatever's going, kind of thing. But um, you know, I, I, I think I was lucky because because I was short and because I was from a big Irish Catholic family. I learned very quickly. Um, about the gift of the gap, you know, being mm. able to be quick on my feet. Because I got bullied quite a lot. Well, bully is the wrong word because I, I got a lot of trouble. A lot of people wanted to beat me up. A lot of people, I got hit a lot. So I learned to be pretty quick and I learned to be quick with my mouth and quick with my feet and quick with my fists. Uh, because what I would do is, I, you know, once I could see, I, I developed a spidey sense like that guy's going to hit me in three, two, duck, punch, run. Right. And then, you know, often it's like, yeah, my girlfriend thinks you're cute. So I'm like, look, dude, it's not my fault if you're stupid and ugly. Hit, duck, <laughs> run. And... And so I didn't, I don't think I endeared myself to a lot of people, but I was just in full survival mode all the time. Everything was just about get through today. Tomorrow yeah. might be better. And so um, by the time the girls started being a bit mm, sort of more like, oh, you are kind of cute. Then that made things worse with the boys. You know, of then they, they didn't, they didn't like the guy who was on TV getting the attention from the girls. So um, that again, did not make life easier. Oh, oh my God. Okay, we're going to throw to a little break and we will be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And 
and we're back. I can't believe, I mean, kids are cruel. Kids are cruel, but kids also just want to survive. I was also bullied all through my, (laughs) all through time. And I was also very short. I was like a short little shrimp. And then I grew when I was like, maybe like 13. And then, you know, when girls get their period, then the growing stops, which I always wanted to be fake. Because I was like, no, it's okay. I'll get my period, but I'll still grow. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be 5'7", and then I'll be the same height as Kate Moss, and then I'll be (laughs) fine. (laughs) But, but, you know, people had other plans for me to just stop at a cool 5'3 and 3 quarters. So we round that up to 5'4". That's why the good Lord invented height heels yeah that's it's true i my husband is six one and i will put on high heels and i'll be like it's so crazy that we're the same height right now and then i'll look (laughs) in the mirror and he still has like six inches above me but um did you have do you have like uh a memory of of outside of you know at really any time, like in your 16, 17, that just feels like so quintessential, that moment that that could, I don't know, that defined sort of these years as you then departed to leave and go on and continue being a star. In- um, I think uh, so in, in our school system. We, we, you join secondary school about 10 or 11, and then you go through years one through five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can leave legally, you can leave then. Right. Um, but you the, can leave when you're like 16. Yeah. You can leave when you're 16. Now, most kids like myself, um, then go to do sixth form, which is a two year thing, right. which then leads you. So that's sort of 16, 17, going on 18. And then, and then you have a summer and then a lot of kids would then go to university right. or, or college or, or whatever. And, um, so I had left Grange Hill. I'd gone off, made a couple of other shows. I was continually working as an actor, uh, but then going back to school and then I joined sixth form. Um, with the intention of doing the two years and then going to university. And that's when the, uh, the, this show called EastEnders, which was, uh, I know pretty this much, show. it's the, it was the biggest show in the country. It was a soap, soap opera, but yes. soaps are very different in England than they are in America. They're sort of more serious drama. They're um, good. Uh, debatable, but yeah, I, I very much watch, <laughs> very much watch. And at the time, because this is sort of again, sort of pre satellite, pre internet, uh, there were really only four channels in England. And there's about, about that time, about 55 million people and 25 million people were watching EastEnders uh, twice a week at that time. So you go from being relatively sort of, oh, I think I know that guy too. You're in everybody's living room twice a week. And so there's a difference between, in my opinion, a difference between being famous like Barack Obama or, or right. LeBron James. There's, there's famous and then there's very recognizable. Like right. I know that guy, I know that guy, and um, and so I joined this show. So it meant I left sixth form instead of doing the two years, the the optional two years. I left and and joined the biggest show in the country. And when I got that job, you know, there was a debate with my parents: should I do this or should I stay on at school? And my dad was like, "Well, look, it's the biggest show in the country. If you if you're serious about being an actor and this is what you want to do with your life, then I suppose you have to go do it." 
So I remember one particular, the day that that decision was made, saying to my friends, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave school. And um, I remember taking my school tie off as I was walking out the gates. And I remember taking it off and the, this sort of feeling of, Goodbye, shackles, so long, <laughs> suckers. I'm off now. I'm off on my little magical unicorn to, to, to Magicsville. And I do remember sort of throwing the tie behind me and just going, good riddance, you fuckers. Uh, excuse me. Um, good You're riddance. Allowed, you we, we can, bleep you that can curse later. all you want. Oh, you can? Um, oh, sorry, oh, I never yeah. know what the forum is. Uh, no, but, yeah, you can I, say fuck, cunt, <laughs> cock, bitch, whore, anything you want. Good to know. I have those in my back pocket for later. <laughs> I know um, I just taught you a lot of new language just then. <laughs> yeah, I've never, but... I've never heard such obscenities. Um, but uh, yeah, that 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 was a pretty defining moment, I think, because that was this part of my life is now over. Now this next part of the chapter yeah. is gonna, and 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 then a lot of stuff happened very quickly, and a lot, uh, you know, be, just becoming very very recognisable, and then starting to be written about in the newspapers every day, and and all of those things, and you know, sort of beginning to feel like uh, my life was now more under a, a public microscope, which is a strange transition when you're 16 and, you know, yeah. you've just gone through puberty and, you know, all you're thinking about is girls and going out drinking with your pals. And and then all of a sudden you've got to be really careful about, because, you know, again, this is, thank God, pre-smartphones. So yeah. people, not everybody in the world had a camera on them all the time, which is so good because I would have already been, cancelled for what some <laughs> stupid shit I'd done but you know I would go to Ibiza every year with my friend like then when I got to 17 18 then we this was the beginning of Ibiza and all right. of that culture and you know a lot of crazy wild things and thank god um we had this system my friends and I because I always had like four or five friends with me and then people are like, oh my god do the bloke of EastEnders can I get a photo with you and so we had this trick because I might be drunk or right in, in some state that was not photographable Yes. So my friends would say, oh, well, why don't you get in it with him and I'll take the photo. This was our this was the system that we have. Yeah. And then what they would do is they would just tilt the camera down and take the picture, <laughs> cutting all our heads off. So they're like, yeah, I got a picture. Yeah, I'm going to tell my friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, um, and then they'd get home and go, you cut the heads off. Oh, but so we had a clever plan. But of course, now you couldn't get away with that because they'd be like, let me look at the picture. No, I don't like it. I don't like my hair. Can we take yeah, it like that? And of all of that. So, Do you uh, know how many people got that photo developed and they were so excited to show it to their friends? And then they were like, I swear that's him. And they're yeah. like, no, you're fucking yeah, lying. Nah, they're like, I, I swear. Like, I could look. be any idiot yeah. without a head, you know? Yeah, just so. arms and legs. Yeah, so our system worked well for a while. We had to develop quite a few little systems, so... Uh, to stop me getting beaten up, to stop me getting um, stories, uh, uh, you know, printed in the paper. Because the English tabloids... I was going to say, are, they're the worst. Just, they are the worst. Ruthless, they are the ruthless, ruthless. Horrible, soulless bastards that yeah. just are quite happy to, you know, nowadays they don't matter as much because social media has completely right. become the playground for gossip and, and hateful behaviour. Um, so the tabloids sort of don't quite matter as much anymore. But um, but back then they were, they were very important and, and they could kind of make or break you. So it was, it was a difficult, yeah. difficult road to, to walk. 
crazy. Mm. Oh my goodness, is that a knock on the door that I hear? Why, yes it is. We are now in the section of the show called High School Guidance Counselor, and I'm your guidance counselor. It's amazing I'm also a registered therapist on this show. <laughs> um, in this section of the podcast, you can rectify a wrongdoing of your secondary school past. You can say, fuck you to someone, as we kind of already did to Mr. Judge. You yeah. can apologize to someone. You can yield. You can use this time to heal any past adolescent wounds, and then you never have to think about them again. Oh God. Um. <laughs> well, there's one or two that um, even if you can swear on this show, this story, uh, this story has to go to the grave with just me and the. <laughs> People that know about it, there's some. Oh, oh Jesus! Even just. Oh my about it. God! Um, this is yeah. really you're 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 uh, putting so much that. meat on this bone that I'll well, never I can't. get to I, chew. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've told this before to to people, but you know, when you look back at your childhood, it's peppered with with embarrassing moments and you know things that you wish you hadn't done or said or whatever. Mine was just more like my life was one long stretch of embarrassment. And then there are a few moments of sanity in between where I wasn't mortified. So it's so difficult for me to kind of pick out just one moment um, that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, A, that I can talk about. But um, <laughs> um, because, you know, some of my school friends still remember some of these things. But so, wait, so it, it's something that I did you, wrong you, or somebody did no, wrong to me? or You can just redeem, you can just take, you can say like, uh, you, for me, I want to use this time to say, fuck you to my theater teacher at my high school who never gave me an opportunity and she was a fucking bitch. And at the same time, I'd like to apologize to a boy who didn't go to my high school, but I led him on very severely. <laughs> and I would always say that I was going to meet up with him and I was never, ever planning on meeting up with him. And I feel really bad about that to this day, but he's fine, okay? He I'm went sure. to Stanford and then oh. I think he went to Harvard Law and I think oh. now he's like way smarter than me and <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, they, I, I mean, to be honest with you, the, the, a lot of the things that, um, that immediately come to mind are, are unbroadcastable and I'm mm. not even joking, but uh, there was one thing um, which seems fairly innocuous in the great scheme of things now, but um, so when I was in my first year at school, um, and I was on this show called Grain Chill, which was was, was quite a big deal and everything. Uh, I then got asked, me and two other members of the cast got asked to be on the Terry Wogan show. Now, Americans won't know who Terry Wogan is, but he was sort of the biggest chat show host. It was like being on Johnny Carson or Dick mm -hmm. Cavett or, you know, I suppose to a lesser degree, like being on Colbert or something like that, you know. Um, it was a really, really big deal. Very big watched show. And... Um, they, the, the presenter, Terry Wogan was away that week on holiday or something. So we had this other standing presenter host and she sort of said to me, and again, you know, I'm three foot four and this little <laughs> pipsqueak. She was like, so is, is Grange Hill like your, 
Reels Gordon. Now, bear in mind, the show Grain Chill that I was on was quite rough. It was it was sort of dealing with a lot of the issues of of the day, you know, bullying, uh, kids without money, uh, kids, drugs, uh, sex, you know, a lot of they were kind of hard hitting issues. It was it was a really big deal in terms of but a lot of parents, including my own, wouldn't let kids watch Grain Chill because it was a bad influence. Right. And so then I ended up being on it. So, of course, we, we had to be allowed <laughs> to watch it. But when I was doing this interview, uh, she said, so is it like, is uh, is your real school as 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 rough and and, and dangerous and, and, and uh, you know, all of those things as, um, as Grain Chill? And so my answer should have been, oh, no, my school's lovely. It's a nice Catholic school. And I was like, yeah, it's really rough. There's loads <laughs> of fights. There's bullying. The teachers aren't very nice. And it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's worse. You know, I was just telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. And, and saying, yeah, I mean, phew, I thought, I thought the TV show was scary, but then the real one is even worse. Yeah, it's terrible. I wouldn't go to that school. <laughs> of course, not thinking that what you say is being watched by 10 right. million people, including the headmaster, including the, um, the, the principal of our school. So when I got to school the next day, a lot of people were like, I saw you on Wogan. You look stupid. Yeah, you look stupid with stupid sweater on, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, whatever. Fuck off. And um, then I was in class and then somebody, you know, sort of, it sounds a bit like Hogwarts. Somebody came to our, our room and um, the headmaster would like to see Sean McGuire. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, I, what, what did I do? It didn't occur to me he was watching the TV last night while you completely smashed the school into the ground. So just being bring this, you know, being brought to the principal's office, as as you would call it in America, is terrifying for yeah. me. And so I, I was like, yes, hello, sir. And he was like, hello. Um, so <laughs> we saw you, saw you on the television last night. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And he said, um, so are you planning on doing more interviews in the future? And I was like, I don't know, sir. I don't, you know, just, I don't really know what I'm doing. This is all new to me. He's like, well, if you are... Um, it would be great if you didn't run the school into the ground and make it sound like we're some children's prison where people are beating <laughs> and stealing. And because, you know, it still had a relatively good reputation, the school at the time. And I guess I had, um, I guess I'd made it sound like it was some 1970s prison for sure. children. So, um, <laughs> And again, that was that was that that thing of going, oh gosh, cause and effect. There are consequences if I say something in an interview. Then the, there are ramifications for that, right. and so on. So, I mean, that's fairly mild in the great scheme of things. But I did I did feel bad um, because I didn't intentionally mean to 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 you know uh, besmirch the school. But at the same time, I was telling the truth, you yeah. know, because I was like. I'm getting my ass kicked every day yeah. here, so I don't know what you think we're doing here at this school, but my ass is being handed to me Monday to Friday. So, yeah. you know, if you don't want me saying shit about the school, how about getting some security out there yeah, for motherfuckers change like me? It. Change yes. the culture. Yes. So there was a there was a lot of that, but uh, you know, most of the most of the more dangerous stuff there was there was also t as you would typically expect there was a rival school nearby mm. and there was always fights between our school and their school Classic. and um and it was it was really without the song and the dance it was kind of like west side story it was like the sharks <laughs> and the jets and there was one big fight one of my friends got into a fight with somebody else and then it was like tomorrow here at this right. time and it's all going to go down and everything. Now, I'm old-fashioned. I, I even tell my sons, you know, you've, there are times in life when you have to be brave, but, you know, sometimes the best way to win a war is not me there. Yeah. You don't want to turn up to get your ass yeah. kicked, as I have had many times, you know, and... 
but so there was a there was a, this big fight that happened outside. It, it somehow it happened at the top of my road of where my house was, and there was I don't know maybe twenty or thirty kids from my school, and we're all standing there, you know. Yeah, we're gonna get them and all that. Me, not so much because I was like, I'm this big. Yeah, I, I'm I, tiny. I, I could fight maybe one of their cats or maybe <laughs> a small Japanese dog. But I'm not. I'm good with the mouth and the thinking and the quick answers. I'm not so good with the fists. You know, I, I hit and run. Um, and so we're all standing there acting tough, like we were background in a Michael Jackson video. And then these kids came around the corner. I, and I, you know, your memory distorts over time, but I, I, there's probably about 12, 13 of them. We outnumbered oh them like, like 10 to one. But after all this gesticulating, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to smack them, I'm going to beat them up. These guys came around the corner. Everyone was like, shit, they're coming. And everyone just <laughs> ran and just scattered. But of course, the majority of them all made a beeline to my house. No. And so, and some of them, one of, I seem to remember one of them had a chain. <laughs> I don't know where That's the hell crazy. he was going. I'm bringing my big chain and mace like he was background in Braveheart oh or something. Oh my God. And, and so we all ran into my house. And then as if that wasn't enough, we all ran up and hid in the attic like they were going <laughs> to storm the gates of the house you know where are they let's go fire to the attic get them I would have so done the same thing 13 or 14 of us hiding in an attic trying to listen are they still out there I don't know and how it's funny how terrifying all of that was and then my dad came home and mm. saw these 13 14 people standing outside and, and clearly there's something had gone on and my dad just says what the fuck is going on here? Who are you? <laughs> Feck off home. The lot of you before I find your parents. And all of these tough guys with chains and dogs and everything. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all just scarpered in the face of a parent. They all just legged it and ran. But it was sort of that lesson of, uh, you know, how tough we think we are until reality kicks in. So oh I don't really God. have an apology to them or to <laughs> us, but it just, I hadn't, I haven't even, I don't think I'd thought of that for 20, 25 years, but that it's just so really funny, funny thinking back that, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're all real tough until, so until funny. the tough arrive. Exactly. <laughs> we run. Um, if you could go back in time and give your high school self any advice, what would it be? God, that's a good question. Um, I think I would just say to myself, just stay alive. It will, <laughs> it will get easier. It will yeah. get easier. And, you know, thinking back to that age, I mean, I, I wanted what I wanted so badly, so much. And, you know, where I grew up, there was, a, you know, the crashing reality did not allow you to dream or have your head in the clouds. It was you too busy getting your head kicked in. So you, the idea that like I, I, me telling myself, I've got to believe, I've got to believe I can do this. And it just felt like the odds were so against me that I could have a career as an actor. Because also, you know, most child actors... Uh, implode or end up um, yeah. addicted to drugs or their career just peters out and stuff out, like that. Yeah. yeah. And to make it, and so many people were saying to me, you know, it's not, you know, it's the long shot. I mean, and not in a mean way, just prepare yourself that the dream will end. And, yeah. and so I, you know, growing up a Catholic, um, I, I would literally go to bed every night and 
go to sleep praying, just saying, God, please let me make it as an actor. I don't, I don't have to win an Oscar. I don't have to win an award. I just want to just make a living as an actor. That's all I'm asking. I just want that one thing, which I know is not easy, but please let me have that. I don't care if I have to, I mean, if I have to wait tables or if I have to drive a minicab or whatever it is, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it is, but I, I have to do this. I cannot, I cannot let it get away from me. And I think, to go back to my young self and say, don't worry so much. Don't like, I go to sleep like clenched fists going, please God, please God, please God, please God. And, you know, I think I missed a lot of when other kids were having fun and, and laughing and playing, I was too busy in a corner clenched going, I've got to make this work. I've got to make this work. And I wish I could remind myself that like adult life is not going to be easy either. You know, you've got to give yourself a little bit of a break and don't, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Try to enjoy being 10 and 11 and 12, which I really don't remember. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I had good times. I had my brothers and sisters and I had, I have a lot of fond memories, but I just couldn't wait to get out and, and, go be what I wanted to be. And so I think I was often kind of looking towards the the horizon at, at where I wanted to be and not not focusing on the present and enjoying being that age. So I think I'd I probably tell that. myself to go easy, go easy on yourself, kid. It's, you know, I think that's probably what I'd tell myself. That's good advice. That's good advice for everyone even now. I have moments too where I'm like, where I'm like, you were, I was also a really stressed child. And I spent so much time fantasizing about being an adult and, yeah. and wanting to get to that feeling of success and not needing to deal with like the bullshit of kids and teenagers and whatever. And even now, I find myself being like, Greta, you just gotta chill, like, chill. Be in the moment. It's so hard. It's so hard when you have really big dreams and when you think, oh, well, when I'm, you know, when you're a kid, when I'm 20, when I'm 30, when I'm 40, when I'm like, then I'll Mm -hmm. feel at peace. Then I'll feel and it just never stops. It never stops. It's it's always evolving. It's always changing. And and I think the thing is. You know, adulthood arrives, and, and most kids, we're, we're all yearning to grow up so that we can have our freedom, so that we can eat candy all day or play video games all day, because that's what you want when you're 10, 11 years old. Um, or in my case, just I just want to be taking girls on dates. You right, know what I mean? Right, uh, right. I want to have a car. I want to look really cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I wanted all of that. But I think, you know, now I have three children um, who are seven, four, and, and one, Um one of the things I'm really intent on is is sort of saying to them, don't don't look off to the horizon right now. Look where you are. Enjoy yeah. now. Enjoy now because you're young and you're wonderful and you're beautiful and you're happy and 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 the world outside is so. I mean, especially the last. I don't know. I think every everything seemed pretty golden and, and glorious until nine eleven happened, and then the world just changed. And then the last six or so years. Um, it just felt like everything's been such a battle. And I just really want my kids to, I want to protect them from the horribleness of the world because they'll be in it soon enough. And I want to sort of almost like saying to me as a kid, just let's just really enjoy being seven or four or one because the real world will come knocking at your door soon enough. And then you're going to have to get in there like the rest of us and, and deal with the madness that is the modern world. So I want to, I want them to just 
enjoy their childhood. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, that, oh, my childhood was stolen from me. It was not at all. It was all no, my decision. No. It was my, it was my doing. It was my dream. It was my wish. But I knew that it came up with a price and it did. It came yeah. with a price. So I want my kids to really enjoy being young and being um, carefree for as long yeah. as they can. Well, if you're looking to adopt a 30-something-year-old, you know, actress, writer, can cook, can drive, I'm available. Um, we, uh, we were just discussing that, me and my wife, the other day. I said, you know what we don't have? We don't have a 30-something actress living in yeah. our house. We should get one of those. Yeah, we should really foster one just we'll, for a we'll, little bit. We'll check Angelina Jolie doesn't want you first. And then yeah, if, she, yeah. if she passes, we'll, be, we'll be making that call. Yeah, Please. Um, so in the States, we have a thing called senior superlatives, hence the name of my show, which is when your class, if you're unfamiliar, would like hypothesize what you were going to become or give you some stupid thing like class clown or right. best dressed or yeah, whatever Yeah, so your, your yearbook thing, most yes. likely. Yeah, I'm yeah, familiar. Yeah, most likely too. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what do you think your classmates would have said your superlative would have been? Oh, God. Uh, uh, it would, I mean... If we had such a thing, which we yes. we, we did not, um, uh, it would have been under my picture, wanker, <laughs> <laughs> tosser, big head, <laughs> asshole, flashy, gay, because that's what people called each other then. Because that yes. was, you know, now we don't do that so much because we realise that that's not a cool thing to do. But like, gay, wanker, tosser, asshole, big head, um, tosser, hope you fail. tosser. Oh, yeah. same as wanker, meaning somebody who pleasures <laughs> themselves in the privacy of their own attic. Um, yeah, it would have just been all, all. I mean, also, I don't, you know, I've been here now as long as I had lived in England, like 23 years there and 23 years here. And I, you know, I've been immersed in, in American culture and played American a lot of times. And I've become an American now, an American citizen. And, um, and we have, you know, I know that it exists here, but I think more so in England, especially with men, mm-hmm. you know, the way that, like, even with my best mates that I went to school with, my brother and my cousins, all of those guys were all on a WhatsApp, you know, we're getting better at it, but you can't, you can't really say, I love you, mate. You know, or like I, I, I do. I always did because I had nothing to lose because everybody called me every name under the sun, and mm. I was a sissy, gay, blah 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 actor. Anyway, so I was like, I got nothing to lose, so I can I can speak my mind freely. And I've always told my friends, uh, anybody that I care about, that I love you and mm. you are uh, you're important and stuff like that. But amongst men, you you can't really because you know the way that we show affection is by taking the piss out of each other. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. if someone says, hey, I, I you know recently we had. A friend of mine, his auntie died and, 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 uh, he's one of my best friends. And I said, listen, I'm so sorry. I can't be there at the funeral, but, uh, you know, I love you. I love the family and sending love and, and, um, boys, if you didn't know the funerals on this day. And so, you know, it's a sensitive moment. And, mm-hmm. and these are a lot of my guys. Uh, they're all, they're smart guys. They work in the city. They're, they're well educated. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just underneath dickhead. soft shite do you know what I mean because we we can't we can't express our real emotions because that might make us look soft or or not manly and I'm like guys we don't you know 
you know, we're in our 40s now. We don't have to keep doing this. We can actually say what we feel now without fear. Like, you're all married with children. Right, so right, calling right. each other gay is not, <laughs> you know, and also that's not particularly cool now. We all have gay friends and we kind of know that they don't like that you call yeah. that as an insult. So maybe shall we, shall we evolve? it's we're stuck in the groove well they are stuck in the groove of that's how we are and and you know it's just that's how guys are because we're uncomfortable with expressing care and love for each other and you know being a big sissy actor which i am i i don't care about that i don't mind telling my friends that i love them because life's short you never know what's around the corner and i don't want to i don't want anything to happen without the people i care about knowing how i feel well, you're the only wanker superlative on our show, and that's what matters to me. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on my show. It was so fun to talk Thank with you. you. You should write a book. I don't say that to many people, but you should write a book. I mean uh, it. Do you know what? I, uh, if uh, A, I have a terrible memory for things, probably too much drinking and smoking weed and all the other things. Um, but, but it's funny when people tell me, do you remember that story? And I'm like, oh my God, I think I blocked a lot of it out. <laughs> sure. Because so much of it, like half of the book would have to be redacted because yeah. of, to it protect can be the innocent. It can be a fiction book. Protect well, yourself. Do you know what? It's, it's funny. I, I've been, I, I wrote a script about 20 years ago, which was sort of semi-autobiographical about growing up. In, in Essex in the 80s and um and I you know I, I, I mildly dyslexic terrible speller uh, but I knew what I wanted to write and it, it's only recently that a couple of things happened and I, I spoke to a cousin of mine in Ireland who's a phenomenal writer very funny very sweet um and I said hey, you know I'm kind of thinking about doing this again and she was like you should so write that it's and it's to do with Irish dancing and it's sort of a yeah. sort of a coming of age story about you know, discovering girls and drinking and smoking and Irish dancing, which is just weird because it's before anybody my really. Three, I mean, I used to. My three kinks drinking, smoking, Irish dancing. <laughs> I'm in. So I, I think I'm, I'm going to, um, we're, we're going to sit down and, and try and write that. So that's really more about that, that rite of passage and that young age and stuff. But it's, it's something that I feel like even if nobody wanted to make it, there's something in me that feels that I need to kind of get it. It's cathartic to write it and to go through it and to do the process. Yeah. So I I think I I think I'm going to try, you know, uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see where it ends up. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was such a fun conversation. Where can all of the listeners of my podcast? I know that you are a voice on a on a gorgeous scripted podcast. Is this correct? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, there's a there's a show called Baraska, um, which is I think number two in the charts right what? now. Um, it was one of those things I got a call and and they asked me to do it. I, this 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 is a second season, and it's a really um, it's kind of a thriller. It's more of a thriller than a horror, but it's pretty gnarly. I I play yeah. a character that is the most despicable, evil, hateful. I mean, he he's. Uh, a, a human trafficker, rapist, murderer—you know, just the worst scum of the, the earth. holy trinity. Yeah, and um, and I, you know, I often get cast as uh, nice guys and things like that. So it's always a fun thing when you get to sort of delve into the darkness a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, and um, it was kind of fun taking a walk on the dark side, and, Love it. and really. So yeah, Baraska's on on wherever you get your podcasts on Apple and and stuff like that, and it's with. Um, 
Oh gosh, there's a, a very popular young actor. Um, Cole Sprouse. Uh, Co- yes, thank you, Cole Sprouse. It's sort of his 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 thing. He plays the main character, and I sort of play the the villain to his sort of hero. And um, love it. Yeah, so that's out right now. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. And thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Um, As always, stay cool, never change. Until next time, ciao. That was a HeadGum Podcast. 